Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have R Hunter Runyon with Keeley, and he's here to share how he started wholesaling on his 18th birthday and is now handling the daily operations for Keeley. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trank, broker and owner of Stunning Homes Realty, founder of the OfferFast Homes app, the only app you need for wholesaling, and I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires, so let's connect on Instagram. And again, as a reminder, I will be speaking in Dallas next month. So if you guys are interested, definitely check it out. Be sure to use my code so I can uh, work with you to create your own personalized blueprint. If you're excited for today's show, please give me a wave, give me a thumbs up. And uh, I don't charge a dime for this show. I don't make any money doing this. So here's all I ask. This is what it costs for you to listen to this show. If you get value today, please tell a friend. You can either share this episode right now, tag a friend below, or tell them your best takeaway from the show later on. That way we can all grow together. And don't forget, this is a live show, so please post your questions for Hunter to answer. You ready? Awesome, I'm ready. Okay, so what got you into real estate? It's a good question. I think when I was younger, I had a I had a really big interest in architecture and mm -hmm. construction. I didn't really care so much for entrepreneurship or residential real estate, but I really, really loved architecture. As I got older, I did learn though that architects don't make very much money, and I didn't really wanna go to school, <laughs> and I didn't wanna work for somebody else. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, what else could I do? I ended up getting more interested in business, and then I learned about like, okay, well, rehabbing houses seems really fun, mm -hmm. but that requires money. And I was like, okay, well, how do you get money to do that? And then I learned about wholesaling. I learned a lot on bigger pockets. And I was probably about 16 at the time, mm -hmm. and so I figured out then like, pockets when you were 16. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. I was. Yes, and so my mom <laughs> put me on a bigger pocket. Like, you just look there. They have a lot of knowledge in real estate. So I figured out pretty early on. Like I was 16 when I realized like, okay, that's what I want to do. So. You know, when do I want to start this? How do I start this? And the biggest thing is like, okay, how can I sign a contract? I'm not an adult. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I, got, I have the- Technically you could, it yes, could be avoidable I, contract. I learned this later that there could have been a loophole, but yeah. at the time, my only option in my brain was, okay, I got to wait till I'm 18. So what should I do in the meantime? Uh, it was basically a lot of research and learning. I, you know, there's a lot of people in Phoenix that obviously teach that here, mm -hmm. ended up figuring out what Clever Investor was. And it was super funny, my mom actually sold uh, Cody Sperber's wife furniture like twice. She's like, I know who they are. And so she meshes them as this was like three or four weeks before I turned 18. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, when he's 18, just have him sign up. Like he'll be ready to go. He'll do really great. And then I signed up for that and it's been off the races since, but. So on your 18th birthday, you signed up. Yeah, for it was, it was on my 18th birthday. Yeah. Wow. That was your Second birthday I, present to yourself, or your mom's birthday. That present? was my birthday present to myself. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you started at 18. Uh, what was your first transaction? My first transaction was actually, it followed three months later. It was really quick. I was super blessed. Mm -hmm. It did not take me long. So I started like March 8th, the day of March 8th, and I set up like the LC and all that fun stuff. And I learned all about deeds and all that fun stuff to know, writing contracts. I did a round of postcard marketing, which didn't work, mm -hmm. right? Um, that was not working at the time. So I was like, well, that didn't work. What else can I do here? And like, okay, well, maybe you should try meeting some of the wholesalers and selling some other houses. And this is where my niche, where I really found my niche was like, okay, so I need buyers to do that. So I'll stop focusing on anything else, but I'll just focus on buyers. I'll find buyers, and then I ended up selling a house like a little over three months. It was like three months and four days after I started. So you're saying you built out a buyer's list yeah, yeah. before getting your first deal? Correct. Okay. Yep. So yeah, it, was, it was, I changed a shift like within the first three weeks of signing up for that mentorship mm -hmm. with Clever. I really made a shift to, okay, I'm gonna focus on actually building buyers, nothing other than that, and then I will sell other people's houses and that will be my, my avenue. I wanna go that path. So you decided like yeah. a few weeks. Yeah that I, you did around postcards, yep. that didn't work. Yep. Screw this, I'm gonna be a disposition guy. Yep, I'm gonna be dispositions. And yep. then, so you built out your buyer's list. Yep. And then after you built out your buyer's yep. list, you found, what did you, what, what was the next step? I found, I started like networking with other wholesalers here, right? Mm -hmm. So I, a lot of it was done through like Facebook groups or things like that or 
Craigslist even, like there was a lot of people posting on Craigslist at the time their deals. Mm-hmm. So I'd call them like, hey, like I have buyers, mind if I try selling this? And I introduced myself. But that was my that was my approach. And I right. the buyers list I definitely built over a long period of time, but I started it in that period of like yeah. after three weeks of starting. So there's this thing, right, that that happens in our mar- in, in this industry yeah. that is generally frowned upon, which is selling other people's deals. Yep. So were you like forwarding other people's deals and uh, attacking your fee or? Um, at first, yes. So yeah. at first, and that that is where like adversity hits you, right? Like, okay, what do I do here? Because now this isn't working because I'm getting flack mm-hmm. for marking up some of this houses and selling it. Even though I get one or two every once in a while, it's causing a reputation damage and the list doesn't subscribe, right? And it's bad for rapport. Mm-hmm. So my next approach was, okay, I'm gonna find someone that I can like make an actual working relationship with them mm-hmm. to where they're like, I offer a service and they pay me for it. Yeah. So that was that didn't happen though for about six months. Well, it was probably like six or seven months into being dispositions mm-hmm. for me to find them, to build a rapport with them and to show value that, okay, well we can pay Hunter cause he's worth it. Okay. Yeah. So then how did you develop your buyers list at that time? Right. Cause you're again, yeah. 18. Like what the heck do you know? Yeah. No, that, so that's a good question. The, the, uh, the biggest thing that I did was honestly Craigslist to start uh-huh. was really, really great. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't done it in a long time, so I can tell you the quality of buyers still on Craigslist, but at the time it was really good. Yeah. And also bigger pockets. Um, I learned about tax records and the cash transactions and fun things like that. So, th- you know, we went down that route. Um, the biggest thing was like, once I got them, I was able to keep them by keeping rapport. I was very mm-hmm. good at following up, figuring out what they needed. I was good at collecting data on what they told me and rec- keeping record of that and then giving them exactly what they wanted right. when I got it. So okay. that, that helped a lot. So I didn't have to yeah. get as many as let's say you know, someone else would have. That's just mass blasting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So uh, only a few weeks or a few, or, or a few months yeah. into your first wholesale deal. Um, what was that transaction like? Because you normally, right, you get this nightmare scenario with the yeah. seller. So your, your, your first experience must have been totally different. It was. So the seller was obviously handled by the original wholesaler that got mm-hmm. in a contract. I sold it to this guy. It was funny. He was really, he's a really, really nice guy. So more houses to him as well, but he's got a thick accent. I didn't know what I was doing. He didn't really know what he was doing. He's a doctor normally. Mm-hmm. He owns like five um, physical therapy practices okay. and he just buys houses on the side. And so it was his first wholesale he ever bought. And so I sold it to him as the first wholesale I've ever sold. So for him, this is like, this yeah. is just how it goes. Yeah, yeah, it was, right? And so I had get help writing the contract from the original wholesaler. He writes it out for me, sends it over. I made an awesome 500 bucks. It was great, totally worth it. And so we're at like, I'm like, cool, it's done. I open escrow, he gets Ernest in and I'm done at this mm-hmm. point. I don't know anything about managing escrows or title or any of that fun stuff. Right. I get a call from the guy the day of closing. He's like, hey, so no one's heard from the buyer like one time. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? He put escrow. You know, he's like, no, no one's heard from you. You need to call him and get him to send lender docs or cash or whatever he's doing. Call him and get him to close it because it's today. Oh. And so and he was really nice too. So like, I, he's like walking through the call. I call the guy and I was like, okay, dude. So it's supposed to close today. And he goes, what? I'll find right now. And he hung up and he closed. Yeah, it was like, it was great. I was super blessed that this guy was paying cash yeah. and that he was really, really cool. I'm just like, I'm on it. And he just closed it. Wow. But yeah, it was fun. It was, I thought like that whole like two week period of the close that it was going to be going fine. Have to do anything? No, not the case. But I think a lot of new wholesalers yeah. do kind of have this impression, like, oh yeah, I got a buyer, I got a yeah. seller. Once Ernest is in, I'm done, right? I right. sign, I sign it away, and they handle it. Yeah. yeah, the responsibility is no longer mine. Right. Unfortunately, that's not really true. No. Not so, well. uh, what were some of your early struggles? Yeah, I think my one of my biggest early struggles, um, like a personal one, is thinking that everything needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that would get in my way a lot of, okay, well, I want to like, you know, I want to build the CRM, put the data in. And if I can get the data perfect, then I'm just going to focus on that. And then once I'm done, then I'll sell houses. Mm-hmm. I think that now, uh, like looking back, it'd been much more beneficial for me to 
just push the envelope until something breaks and then fix it, right? Like right. just to get out there and tell houses is more important than trying to make everything perfect on the back mm-hmm. end. It, so that was one of my biggest struggles. Another one would obviously be like a thought in my mind that like, I'm too young, yeah. right? Which is also one of the reasons that I push toward um, a disposition model as opposed to a seller model. Because mm-hmm. meeting sellers, it can really destroy some confidence if you're young. Right. Or so I thought at the time, but I think so, those some big misconceptions in my mind. Right, just some limiting beliefs. Yeah, limiting beliefs. So the part where you're talking about um, having to be perfect, yeah, is that still a struggle today? Oh, it's always a struggle because I'm right? a perfectionist, but yeah. I, now I'm more able to be aware of it, okay. where it's useful and where it's not. Yeah, yeah. because I think you're, you have an analytical mindset. I do. And that's yeah. just one of our... Yeah, it, challenges. It, yeah, it's always. a gift. It, it's a gift that can become a curse if taken too far, right? So you right. have to know the limits of what is good and then what is not good. Right. So yeah. like ninety percent, ninety-five percent. That's good enough. Yeah, exactly. It also depends on the capacity, like of what you're doing at the time. Like if mm-hmm. you're selling houses, you should focus on selling houses because doing data work doesn't make you money. And yeah. if you don't have employees that are helping you in the process of selling houses or doing data work, well, you're screwed. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then you try flipping at nineteen. I did buy my first house at nineteen. So how was that? It was. It was an adventure. I did it with a, a partner. I like used all of my money as a down payment, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then she was supposed to cover the rehab. Well, most of the rehab. Mm-hmm. And then she got in a pinch. And so we, we bought the house in August. We tore it apart pretty quick, like by ourselves. Tore it apart by ourselves. What year was this? This was 2015. Okay. Yep, this is August 2015. We bought it like the hottest day of the year, I swear. <laughs> and so it had Saltillo tire, we're like jackhammering it all up. And, and there's no AC on because you can't suck the dust in, mm-hmm. right? So it was just hot, it was horrible, but it was fun. So we tore it apart. Um, after that, she had another project going on, so she kind of got distracted with that, and I didn't know what to do. So we just we sat there for like a month doing nothing. Like, this is bad. So I went over there and I started working on it by myself, learning. Um, it took forever. I think we didn't finish the rehab until December like 18th. Mm-hmm. And then what did we do? Like, not like total new people? Listed it December 18th. <laughs> okay. So then all of the like all of the new energy you get from houses brand new list on the MLS, gone. Right. And so then we're waiting and waiting, and January goes by, and we finally sell it the first week of February. Mm-hmm. But no, it was good. I think the. We didn't make much money. I overextended myself for eight months or whatever that would be, mm-hmm. or six or seven months, and yeah. And that's good. how you became a flipper. And yep, and that's when I decided not to become a flipper. <laughs> it's much more fun to sell houses. Okay, so I think one of the really important topics here is uh, limiting beliefs as far as being too young. Because yeah, uh, you know, at my brokerage with all the agents, we have a lot of agents. I mean, I think our average is 29, but we have a whole bunch of people between uh, 19 yep. and 29. Like that's a really big chunk. And if we look at our demographics, our analytics here, the average age is between 25 and 34 that's watching the show. So um, that said, there's this mindset or there's this <clears> limiting <throat> belief, I'm too young, I can't do this. Yeah. So talk about how, if like, whether you had it and with, when you said you did, how did you overcome yeah. it? I don't think that it's worth hiding. I don't think you need to hide it. I think that you can carry yourself with a certain maturity mm-hmm. that it'll negate the fact that you are young. Yeah. I mean, for starters, depending on how you speak, you can come off as very young on the phone or very old. Everyone thought I was very old on the phone. Like, they thought I was 30 years old on the phone, right? Yeah. Nobody knew. In person, they would see that I'm young, but because I already built up that rapport and I had the reputation of being you know, mature for my age, yeah. that was never an issue. They didn't see me as like, okay, he's young and he sounds young and he acts young. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is the way that you want to portray yourself to the world. And if you do that in an immature way, mm-hmm. then you're going to have a little bit of flack or a little bit of resistance because of that. Um, but if you really are, I mean, one, if you're surrounding yourself with older people, you're going to, to pick up on their traits. Mm-hmm. It does help. But I think that 
um, that carrying yourself in that way will really negate the fact that you are young. It, it, it'll so acting as if you were 25 or yeah, 30. right. Like forgetting the fact that you are young and then re- remembering that like age is really just a number, mm-hmm. and that depending on just like you can make anything happen that you want, regardless right. of your age, right? So I can have a conversation with you, and it can be about things that you don't care about that maybe are like kind of immature, or I can try to speak with you in the same level mm-hmm. and learn and try to grow in the same things that you are. Right. Yeah, and then I provide value that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then one of the funny stories I heard from Jamil was that when you were getting started, um, you used your mom's Facebook account to reach out to him. I did, yes, That's, which is <laughs> awesome. I love that it was to Jamil. That's the best part is like now that Jamil got it and then now we work together every day, right? But yeah. it's funny, no, she, uh, my mom was really great. She helped me a lot in her spare time. I was obviously doing it on my account too, but hers got much better uh, response. So yeah. I definitely utilized hers more than I, as much as I could. Right. Yeah. So you would message people <laughs> as, pretending, as your mom pretending to be, yeah. as you pretending to be your mom. You are correct, yes. And this you do it sometimes too in her free, in her yeah. free time, but yeah, it and works well. And so talk about that, like what was that uh, exchange like to people? With them? Yeah. It was it was a very templated conversation, so it yeah. was it was uh, like a reach out template, they would respond, I would respond basically. Yeah. So it was never any like corresponding. It was like, you know, uh, yeah. Have you, has my son reached out to you? What? Yeah, no, it was funny. They uh, Some people thought, yeah, they thought like, well, like, I know your mom. Like, okay, so there's people, there's so many people that know my mom because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. And she's friends with them now. And she like corresponds with them and she does like nutrition and stuff. So she talks to them. It's hilarious. So yeah. she actually has friends from it, which I think is funny. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay, so millennial investor. That was, so what, you started wholesaling, you yeah. did a flip. And then when did millennial investor come about? Millennial Investor came about March 8th of 2014. So okay. it was the entity that I started right when I began. Mm-hmm. And so I used that entity from basically March 8th all the way till December 7th of 2016. Okay. As that's when that's the range of which I worked for myself before right. we formed Kiwi. But. Okay. So what were your responsibilities, you know, with Millennial Investor? What did you, what did, what did it do? Yeah. So I think my main uh, responsibilities when I was doing Millennial was keeping, I was, had a few relationships with wholesalers here mm-hmm. in town and I didn't want any more. I wanted to utilize those fully. So like one of the, like Josiah um, was a good example of one, but I had a few other ones. So I just focused on those three. I had three of them and like, okay, I'm gonna make, do everything I can to sell these guys' houses. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna keep working those relationships always. And after that was, okay, I wanna build a bigger buyer's list and I wanna improve the quality of it. So I wanna have a lot of data on these people of what they're really looking for. So when I get something, I can be very targeted and sell it right away. Yeah. So, and then after that was uh, obviously selling the houses. So I would do the email blasts and like taking the emails or the text and selling the houses. Yeah. So those are like, those are my three focuses with. So Millennium. finding buyers. Yeah, finding buyers, refining them, finding refining buyers, yeah. uh, maintaining the wholesale relationships and mm-hmm. also doing the selling. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, how did you promote, like how did you find the buyers? I, I think you reached out to me on LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, so a lot of it's like, a lot of it was groups. So I think I saw you on a group somewhere or yeah. like you're probably involved with a LinkedIn group and a Facebook group, which is why yeah. I reach out to you there. Right. A lot of, I did really well on Facebook groups, posting ads on Craigslist and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did Ria's cause I was introverted, but I think that Ria's would be a great to do it. And also tax records were great. Mm-hmm. And then also getting other people's email list and then like seeing what they're blasting. They're like, that guy seems cool. And I'll reach out to you and they'll be like, Hey Steve, I know you, you blasted out a house. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have houses too. I have buyers. You interested in, you know, maybe let me try to sell one. Right. Right. And so, or like, are you interested in buying more or whatever it might be? Yeah. So. Um, and then one thing that you shared with me before was that you, because you were, you know, there was, you're a little self-conscious because of your age, you did a lot of calling and texting. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about that. Not even calling, but just texting and emailing. Yeah. So I sold my first, so I, I every house I sold a million, but at least the first 70 houses I sold, I never took one phone call. I met one person like, in person <laughs> ever. 
it was like my voicemail. So you call me, I literally let the call go to voicemail, which led you to text me. And if you didn't text me within like a few minutes, I would text you. Mm-hmm. And then I would email you, but I would never take a phone call and I never go in person. So you, you wholesaled 70 properties. Yeah, the first 70 were all. And you didn't yeah, call yeah. one person? Nope. Nope. I didn't start calling until I met Josiah, and then he's like, hey, let me train you on how to do calls. They're better. And I'm like, I don't know if they're better. They're much faster. But yeah, yeah it did work. I sold like at least the first 70 houses that way. Okay. So yeah. you sold so your first 70 houses, texting only. Yep. Then after that, how many did the millennial investors sell in total before you joined forces? Uh, 70. The first, it was, I sold 70 houses flat in millennial. Okay. Yeah, the first two years. In the so then when you partner with Josiah yeah. is when you started actually yeah. picking up the phone. Yeah, because Josiah, Josiah is like an amazing salesman, right? Yeah. He and he's he's very good on the phone. He's very he's very good with people, mm-hmm. and so he's able to like sew into me like how yeah. how to properly do it. Where I was more introverted and reserved, he was right. the opposite, right? So we, we played up each other pretty well there. Okay, so how do you connect with Josiah? I met Josiah when I was I was a student for a Clever Investor, which is a ministry company here. And mm-hmm. Josiah was I think he, I don't know if he was working for Cody at the time or if he was already partners with him in his real estate business. Mm-hmm. I met Josiah through there. We didn't really hang out too much for the first year that I met him. So this has been 2015 now, and we started going to a. Uh, like a young Christians group at church, mm-hmm. hung out there. And then we started our own little morning Bible study, which Josiah, because he's Josiah, decided to do it at six in the morning. Yeah. So I made it like one third of the time. Mm-hmm. So we did that. But after we, after those Bible studies, him and I started going to coffee every morning. Yeah. And then that was, or like it was every Tuesday. So every Tuesday we go to coffee and we'd hang out all day. Mm-hmm. And that went from being just Tuesday. And then it was like also Monday and then it was also Wednesday. And it was Thursday. And the next thing I knew it was every single day, Monday through Friday, yeah. morning to night, Josiah and I were working together. Mm-hmm. And we really started to slowly morphed into that like sort of, so friendship and business relationship. So his posts about, you know, are you going to uh, hang out? Are you going to be texting yeah, your girlfriend yeah. the whole time? Yeah. Are you that girlfriend? Is that what that is? Or, <sighs> you know, no. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when he was, I, I'm Josiah just. Josiah had the girlfriend at the time. Okay. Yes. Which I was he's talking about too. Like he was always texting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then. But no, that he is referring to me in that post. Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah, yes. Uh, so then um, after that, you guys then decided to kind of merge yep. you and Josiah not officially but yeah. pretty much we were liking this this weird thing of okay so we're two separate things mm-hmm. but we're working to the same goal and the line's murky like okay so Josiah and I helped each other on things he would sell house and like he'd pay me or I'd sell house and I'd pay him because we were working so closely together mm-hmm. like I was handing a lot of I was helping Josiah with a lot of analytical things all the paperwork all the escrows Josiah was doing a lot of the sellings helping me take calls working through like tough situations with buyers or whatever it may be he was also getting in all the houses mm-hmm. so because he was working with Jamil yeah, and so, and so like our line, we were different things, but we were it was uh, a very like thin line of what was right. like one and what was not. And then eventually, you also merged with Jamil. Yep. And became Keegley. Yep. So what prompted that? Because you already had obviously a successful <clears throat> company. Yeah. What encouraged you to do that? Yeah. So in May of 2016 is when mm-hmm. Josiah and I decided like, okay, like we're we both have what each other like we're both good at different things. Mm-hmm. We each have different things that each one of us needs. So like, let's work at a more like uniform capacity and try to like, help each other out here. Just, I already knew Jamil. I did not know Jamil at this time at all. Yeah. So I think Jamil knew who I was once. Like, he knew who I was because I reached out to him mm-hmm. and I also sold one of his houses okay. once through somebody else. Yeah. So he kind of knew who I was. And so we were like, okay, well, we get a lot of houses from Jamil. Like, let's stop focusing on everything else and mm-hmm. just focus on Jamil's. Cause Jamil gets so many houses cause he's so good at networking getting so many people to give him houses. Mm-hmm. Right, so we were like, okay, let's focus on selling Jamil's houses. Let's help him perform. And let's build a really good, really good relationship with Jamil. So that started in May of 2016. Mm-hmm. And that went on all the way up till December when we actually like formed. But I, by that time in December, it just made logical sense. It, it was, we were so inter- intertwined. Mm-hmm. And so we're each other. Like we did nothing else with anyone but ourselves. Yeah. We were every single day, which is us, right? We were partners, but not, but not legally. Yeah. So it was really easy on December 7th just to like make it official. Okay. 
so how would you say, you know, in your words, how is your operation different than all the other peers in town? Yeah, so I think there's a few things. The first one is our like internal, our internal, I don't want to say processes, but our like our culture and then also like our employees. We have lots of really, we've been doing this for two years and two months-ish now mm -hmm. and no one's quit, right? So we have really skilled people now yeah. and a lot of, I think a lot of other wholesalers here, like they lose employees, like employee turnover or even just in general, industry turnover is really high. Or burnout. Yeah, burnout, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't have that problem. So when Kevin, and you answer, when Kevin like picks up the phone, Kevin's been selling houses for two and a half years. Mm -hmm. He's really experienced now, yeah. right? And so like we have a very healthy culture where like Kevin gets to thrive and also like people also get to thrive and he does a really good job just because of you know, all that experience. So I think that's one thing that makes us different in terms of um, like internal, internally, it's really just keeping the employees. Yeah. 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 Kevin was shocked to find out that we, that he got traded for Costco membership. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, uh, we, I texted him on, on Monday. It's like, Hey, uh, you work for us now. You work for us now. <laughs> you just sign the contract over. It's like a signed, he just has to go work for you now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jamil we, hadn't told him yet. So he's like, what? Uh, we can't lose Kevin. I'll fight for him. Uh, okay. So you're, uh, again, you know, going back yeah. on this point about being different. So culture, obviously, uh, yeah. but you know, you guys have this way, like you're, your wholesaling business yeah. is different than everyone else's wholesaling business. Yeah. So what role, like, you know, you guys kind of have like this middleman type? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to figure out how to answer your question. Well, there's like, I always kind of put it in like, okay, so an agent like provides a service, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of wholesalers provide, provide a service and they may sell like, you know, five, 10, 15 houses a month. You can do a lot that way. We took the approach of trying to take a more corporate structure mm -hmm. that provided a really, really, really good type corporate structure. It was very organized, take a lot of volume. That was kind of our approach. So we, instead of taking the, I have a client kind of approach, we took a, okay, an overall scheme of like, we can be a big corporation type mm -hmm. approach. So I think like setup wise. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I like about what you guys do is that, you know, like you look at a lot of companies, a lot of wholesaling organizations in town, yeah. right? You got the cold call, you got the acquisition guy, you got the disposition yeah, yeah. guy. And you guys are just basically a, like a disposition yeah. company, yeah. right? Where a wholesaler, calls on you guys yeah. with the property and then you guys move it. Yep. And then within that structure, you got Jamil, the yep. pretty face, right? Pretty face. Yep. Everyone loves Jamil's face Yeah, and his beard. Yep. Uh, Josiah, who does a really good job of, of, it looks like from the outside looking in, like creating a company culture. Yeah. And then you managing the day-to-day -day operations. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there were a couple of times where I was asking Jamil, it's like, look, you know, why don't you guys move all, everybody over Sunny Homes Realty. We're gonna use my title company, this and that. And he's yep. like, I like the first half of that, but uh, Hunter will not let go because he's got his systems in places, systems yeah. in place, where like with 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 this escrow officer and this system. Yeah. So talk about what does your system look like? Where what is your role within Keeley? Yeah, I think it's funny because like changing anything with Keeley too is it can be difficult because you're moving so much volume now mm -hmm. that like, the change talk can be like hey, this is gonna be a lot of work, and then if the person's not good, it could be very bad. Yeah. But yeah, my position is I handle like, so I handle all the logistics of like a business, like payroll and finances mm -hmm. and legal stuff and all that fun stuff, right? Oh, that's why you and I were talking about disclaimers. Yeah, exactly, right? Like I handle the disclaimers and I make sure I do quality control and make sure that people are like getting what they need or that their jobs are right or that they're there on time, whatever it might be, I do all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Like and HR. Yeah, like so. HR, right? And we have a lady that does HR for us, but I'm very much involved, mm -hmm. especially because we're like, we're definitely a lot of employees now, but we're not at a point where we have like five HR people. Right? Do so you have 11 employees? We have 36. 36 employees. 36, yeah, 36 okay. employees, right? Oh, we don't have we don't wow. have like 11 HR people, right? So yeah. <laughs> like there's only one and she needs help. 
Yeah. So a lot of us, I wear a lot of different hats. So I help with, uh, I set up all the, like the CRM, the CRM processes, um, what data to collect. You know, I do a lot of templates and the email templates, mm -hmm. things like that. I handle all the title work. I've helped train the escrow officers like for our process, because we do so much volume, it's really cool to have an escrow officer that just knows us. Mm -hmm. And then they, they know that we can trust, they know that I can trust them and that they can trust me and vice versa, right? Right. And so when something happens, like, okay, cool, no worries, like push aside, we'll do the next thing. So I, I'm in charge of all that stuff, but. Yeah. So you don't build out the podio. Um, I I don't do the actual work because I'm not, I'm not that nerdy, but yeah. if we have a few tech guys that are really, really good at that. I mm -hmm. come with a lot of ideas and then they make it like actually work for me. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of shared with me earlier, like Josiah's lot is pretty much like the visionary. Yeah. He's and very much the ideas. And the you're visionary. the integrator. You make it happen. Yep. And right. I keep it, I keep it together. Like he'll set the course and then I keep us on the course. Yeah. Just to put it. Yeah. Cause we were talking the other day where like, uh, I'm the impatient one. I've got all these yeah. ideas. Like, let's get it done, done, done. It's Josiah. And that's Josiah. Yeah. And my, my cousin Wayne is yeah. like, no guys, we got to do this right. You got to do yeah, this. That was so do funny. That that's literally Josiah and I will get in like, <laughs> we'll get in these debates. We're going back and forth and we'll like, we always settle on the happy medium. That's right. great. Yeah. yeah. It's a perfect, like, like counterbalance. Yeah. It's awesome. Cause it, if it's just him, like he can go too far, I can go too far. Right. Right. It's, it's just funny. It's a good balance. We do really well together. Cool. Uh, so how much is Keegley doing right now as an organization, uh, units per month? Uh, we're averaging between like, I think last I checked our average was 70. If I just did it, the kind of average is 72.25 a month. Over how many months? Over, that was the previous three months of December. So we had like in, or of last year, my bad. Okay. So we, we started off last year, we hitting 75 sold, mm -hmm. which that was up from being like 55 at the beginning or at the end of 2016 or 2017. Mm -hmm. So 2018, we had like 20 more houses. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, that's insane. But then we dropped back down to our, what was our average? And then we worked back up there through the whole half of the next year of last year to yeah. where now we're averaging like 72.25, we take an average of those like final months. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the average we're holding steady now. Okay. And that's in how many markets? That is in, that was all those houses were sold in either Phoenix or Orlando, majority Phoenix. Phoenix and Orlando. Yeah. We did wow. a few in Tampa. So like they're on um, Florida's definitely picking up more now, mm -hmm. but a majority at that time was because we started Florida the beginning of 2018 mm -hmm. and it took us, it was a learning curve. So it took us quite some time to actually get to the point of running there. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're getting to a point of, we like figured out title and we got a bunch of earnest disputes and other contracts work, could have found a good title company. I can go on, but right. yeah, it was, it took a while for us to learn. We're really getting those kinks worked out. So, so there's a lot of people that love virtual wholesaling, you know, yeah. uh, it's kind of funny. But I look at the analytics for what's, how people are finding my YouTube page. Okay. And virtual wholesaling is one of them. Really? Right, which is interesting because we don't really talk much about virtual wholesaling. No. So if someone wanted to virtually wholesale, like what bits of advice would you give them how to sell something in Florida from Phoenix or yeah. vice versa? It's honestly not that much harder. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's more difficult is learning the cultural difference between Florida and Arizona. Because there's a there's a people culture difference in how you communicate. So you have to figure that out. Two is, okay, contract law and like what is what is like the standard there. You don't know going into it. So like I know how an NRCSP works in, in Arizona didn't know how it worked in Florida. Mm -hmm. right? I didn't understand how the contracts worked. I didn't understand how escrow worked. Even little things like calling an earnest deposit here is an escrow deposit there. Mm -hmm. If you call earnest, they're like, what? <laughs> so that, that, that the biggest thing is like getting intertwined and working really hard mm -hmm. at figuring out the, the nitty gritty things. So you sound like you know what you're doing. Yeah. That, I think that's the biggest thing. So otherwise you're killing confidence when you call a buyer and you say something that's totally off and they're like, what? Yeah. Right. And then also learning the areas, like learning how when someone says I want a house, you know, in like winter wood or whatever, but yeah. like, you're like, hey, well, where in the heck is winter wood? I don't even know if that's good. Right. So you have to do a lot of market research to really to figure out, okay, what's like, what's good, what's bad. Yeah. Okay. Like I didn't know about seawall. We didn't know that, okay, well, Florida has seawalls. Arizona doesn't have anything similar to that. What the heck is right? a seawall? No, we're like, we're, we just build the houses up a little bit. So if it rains, it doesn't flood. 
Oh, yeah. But makes like, sense. Yeah. But so <laughs> it's like we didn't know all these little things, mm-hmm. and that really hindered us a lot. So, I mean, obviously, you're, you're going to other markets, so you're learning yeah. those lessons. So what lessons have you applied in Florida, from Florida, yeah. that you're applying in the next markets? Yeah, so I think when we roll into our new markets, one mistake that we made was, because we did it on a scale that wasn't just us going there. Like if it was Jamil Josiah and I, it'd be different, but we hired employees and mm-hmm. put them in those new markets. Mm-hmm. But we didn't put anyone experience there. Hired locally. <clears throat> hired locally, yep. To handle to over there. handle over there, right? And we have, to, we have one person that is a driver over there that he'll do a lot of our showings and mm-hmm. he's awesome, but he does a lot of our showings and all the pictures and stuff like that. So we need one guy there and then the rest of them are here in Arizona. Okay. If it was just Sinai starting, it would have been different, but we hired employees, and then when we put them in Florida, we didn't have a good system to teach them, right? There was no one experienced there. We're in, we're in Arizona. Like, if we want to sell a house, like, Walker was, like, Walker can help out Jesse or whoever that may be, right? Mm-hmm. In Florida, that was not set up. So they're spinning their wheels trying to figure it out when it took me years and Josiah and Jamil years to figure it out. So the going forward, putting someone experienced, having them be responsible for that market and those employees that are put there, and his job is to focus on figuring it out, right? Because if we put Jamil there, he could sit there and he could figure out Orlando really quickly. If it's a new person with no experience, it's going to take them some time. Yeah. And time is not a friend. So like spending time doing that is not a good like, so a friend. So you're saying an experienced person, a yeah. person that's experienced in the Phoenix market. Correct. Yeah. We'll take someone we'll that we have, like has done really well for us here, right? And then we'll we'll have him start actually working on establishing that new market mm-hmm. with those new employees and making that like his baby so that he can really um, like water it to grow, right? So he can right. make it work. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That was, that was, I think that was our biggest thing because we didn't have a good communication structure internally mm-hmm. to handle the volume of like newbie type problems from Florida that we're not used to in Arizona. Right. Right. So it overwhelmed us. So we have to really have a good communication structure of leadership and then also putting someone experienced over that responsibility that'll mm-hmm. be very focused on making it work. But what were some of the newbie type problems? I, a lot of the stuff that I already mentioned too, but just like okay. verbal things or like not, not being able to figure out, okay, how do we find suppliers? Like I could sit down, I could figure it out, right? But the new person, like it took me years to, to get good at that, right? right? So a person that's not experienced. Yeah, yeah. So like, right. oh, I've already done this, right? I know how to do this. We're like, if they're asking me or Josiah, we're already busy. So it's taking us longer to get back to them. And it's just mm. delaying the process more and more and more. Right. Yep. Gotcha. That makes sense. Um, so Jamil shared a funny story uh, in, one of our, in one of our masterminds about um, all the all the stereotypes in Miami being true. Because you guys were in Miami for like a minute. Yes, we were in Miami for a minute. And then you guys pulled out yep. because of some stereotypes. Yep. Want to share some of those stereotypes? Yeah. The, I guess the stereotype, the biggest one is that everyone's a criminal, right? And that everything's <laughs> fraudulent and that everyone's scary, basically. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was interesting. And also like, yeah, we didn't have the best success at like um, getting people that were capable of doing their end of the deal, if that makes sense. Like a supplier mm-hmm. being able to Okay, well, we sold your house. We're like, well, what do I do now? Like, sign the contract. And then 10 days go by, and they would never sign the contract. And we'd lose it literally because the person wouldn't sign hmm. and just disappeared. It was the weirdest thing ever. Really? We sold multiple houses, and none of them went through because the person just would not sign the contract. That's weird. Yeah. It's like, uh, what are you doing? So one, one of the uh, things that uh, Jamal brought up was that you never knew where the money came from. Yeah. Which is a little bit of a cause of concern. Yep. Um, and then I don't know if that was your guys' house or another wholesaler, but someone getting shot. <laughs> opening a door. Oh, I don't remember this one. I don't know. There's so many, there's so many <laughs> stories that I can't keep them straight, but yeah. it would not surprise me if that was a story from Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tampa and Orlando are great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear Orlando. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of options in Miami too. It just needs to be tackled differently. Mm-hmm. We weren't ready for it. So it's, it's a, it's a massive city, right? So it requires us to restructure, take the experience we learned from doing the Northern cities in Florida and yeah. reapply that back into Miami eventually in the future. But right. Yeah. Um, so, are there any particular marketing techniques that works best for you? Um, in regards to what? Uh, for, I mean, for you guys, 
building your buyers list, building your wholesaler database? Because you guys are marrying the two, right? Yeah. So is there any one thing that you guys like to do that's worked best for you? Yeah, on the uh, on the supplier side, that's definitely Jamil's baby, right? He's like mm-hmm. something he's very good at, and I, like you obviously witness it, right? He's like that is Jamil's forte. Mm-hmm. Um, with with buyers, it's a lot of the stuff that you would I mean you would think of, right? Like you want to click all data, find a lot of cash transactions. You want to do run a lot of ads, even on Craigslist and Facebook and LinkedIn, all that fun stuff. Really? Yeah, and then eventually you get to a point though where like where like a momentum gets in your side, right? And word of mouth at that point is actually worth something because you're like, mm-hmm. okay, there's good deals, and agents are referring you, wholesalers are referring you, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And people are just it's naturally building. So yeah. we're at that point now where people, um, even in Florida a little bit, like we're getting to that size where people recognize us. Really? So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's yeah. that, that's the target. So you just you have to stay very um, consistent in it. Right. right. So don't lose the focus. I don't think that like, okay, I got, I got five buyers last year. That's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Like now you got to stay pretty consistent, stay proactive at it. And eventually when you get a momentum, you'll realize when you have it and then you can, you know, you know, you can reap that reward. Right. And I thought it was, um, interesting. I, I went to a probate auction and I'm going there. You know, the great place. Yeah. Yeah. Another yeah. great place. And I'm, and, and I'm there and I'm about to bid and I'm like, oh yeah, the highest bid is Keegley. I was like, shit. <laughs> Do I want to go against Keegley? No, you don't. Never. No. So, uh, so that was interesting. So I'm like, I'm calling you. I was like, dude, what the hell? Like, I'm buying this house. Why are you buying this house? Um, That's hilarious. That's so funny. I love Phoenix because it's it's a very tiny group, right? So you cross each other a lot, and it's yeah. fun. There's a lot of cool people here. Uh, so, do you guys pull any data? Um, we we definitely we pull transaction data. So we, we want to figure out the the finance type, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to find well, like, when we go into new markets, we want to find hard money lenders. Obviously, we refer those to our buyers. Two is you want to find buyers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the data we focus on there. Yeah. Yeah. And then of uh, course we do like market research data to figure out like what houses are selling for and all that fun stuff. But right. Do you guys do any kind of skip tracing? No. Do you guys have any cold callers? Nope. No. Um, so when you guys are following up with these hard money lenders, like who's making that introduction then? I guess that could be considered like a, a cold call. I wish I wouldn't consider it is because they are a company that are used to people reaching out to them for their service. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I wouldn't really consider that one too much of a, of a cold call. Yeah. With with the buyers, it's done in a way, like we'll find them like online or something, right? And we'll reach out, it's like, hey, you know, like I know she bought houses. We try to do it in a way that's organic, that is natural, because if you just put someone on a list and you blast them, they're, uns- they're unsubscribing, right? right? They're gonna like report you. Yeah. So it, it, you just, you have to organically build that relationship. Yeah, because I get those. Yeah. I get I get the the voice. Yeah, the it doesn't work. Right? Voicemail. It doesn't work. I get the yeah, I get have, it in the mail. I'm you like, have to do it organically. Yeah, it all goes yeah. in the trash. You have to do it organically. You have to present yourself as a person. Like, oh, that guy has like I can provide some value. That's cool. He right. seems normal. So yeah. Uh, who's in charge of your KPIs? Um, uh, two of our employees in our office are in charge of the. Okay. What are some of the major KPIs that you guys track? Some of them are obviously like units sold per month. Mm-hmm. Um, units sold off the app. Mm-hmm. And then the C, and then also like um, how many houses we're getting from suppliers in, right? Like or like new sources. Yeah. So uh, we're very simple. I don't focus too much on the KPIs, but like, there's just some of them that we focus on, and also like uh, getting houses closed on time is one of them. Yeah. Things like that. Right. Makes sense. That's yeah. a, that's an important one. It is right because we're doing high volume. You need things to come in and out because right. they get stuck, and all of a sudden you have like 90 pending houses, and that, that's a problem. That's a major yeah. problem. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Because like, it sounds like a good thing, but if they were closing, that's when you get paid, and there's no problem after that. Yeah. So. Uh, so, uh, Matthew wants to know what marketing channel do you use? So I think it was hard money lenders, right? Was the marketing channel you guys like have the most success with in regards to, f- uh, whether building a buyer or a seller list. Yeah. So not, a, uh, we, we would take hard money lenders for the, for the purpose of referring them to our buyers. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the best ones that I used or like was like pulling data for like cash transactions or mm-hmm. hard money, I guess. Yeah. So hard money transactions as well. Right. Yeah. You know, those people are buying for investments. Right. Yeah. Like you're saying now. Um, do you guys have any like uh, 
services you guys offer besides the wholesaling piece? Not currently, no. Okay. Um, and then roughly, like overhead, um, what do you guys spend roughly? I'm going to have to defer that question back to Josiah since he deferred that to me in his podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, what resources uh, are, are you guys finding to be most useful for you? The app. The app? Yeah, the app. You guys cool. talk about that. The, I think the reason the app works so well, it's just because it pings your phone. So like, I don't know, like an app notification has a different effect than an email notification. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have their emails turned off because they're getting blown up by a lot of things besides just houses. Mm-hmm. The, I think the house app, because it is just houses and people know that's all they're going to get, mm-hmm. and they can set like a very generic target range when they get a notification, like, okay, cool, they open it. So that that is like a third of our, our cells last month have shifted from, we used to do almost all email and text, mm-hmm. right? It was like very large majority email and text. I think it was 32% or 33% of our sales last month went were from the app, mm-hmm. which allows us more marketing room on the emails and text because this has to work. Right. So I think the app tool has been very, very beneficial to us. Okay. Yeah, I think that's our biggest because obviously everyone does email, everyone does text, but yeah, um, the app is it's been great. All right. Yeah, it needs some improvement, but it's been great. Uh, what CRM tools or systems could you not live without? We would die without Podia. Okay. Yeah. So and so like so Podio has like the backend Globi flow right that helps it flow. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to do the flows obviously, but our tech guys do. Being able to when is that the do, back room that you guys have like the door closed? Yeah, you, you see the, the one with the window, uh-huh. like the, the when you first walk in. Yeah. Yeah. There's like three offices. The first one on the left. Mm-hmm. That's the tech room. That's the tech room. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I knowing a lot how of to. In there. there, there is. There's three. Yeah. yeah. Well, one's virtual, so he's like on the screen, mm-hmm. and he's just like a real programmer, right? He's like yeah. in the computer world. Just kidding. But, <laughs> and then there's two that are actually there all day long too. Right. But they do a really good job. The biggest thing I think is being able to first like build out, like, okay, like these are my, like my data, like that's how I want my data to look, right? That's what I'm on track. Mm-hmm. And then like being able to click something and it like updates the next thing, right? Or updates the next thing. Cause if you're manually having to go through and click, click, check, check, done, write a note, it, you get, war- you, especially when you're doing high volume, mm-hmm. it can work when you're smaller, but when you're doing high volume, it has to end. Right. So knowing how to take just something as simple as Podio and using like Globi Flow to, automate a lot of those day-to-day processes that don't need to be there. Yeah. Uh, any other tools or s- systems? Um, I don't think so. It's, it's very simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need a good like email or a good, uh, email provider, like some of those like, email blasts. Mm-hmm. But other than that, better what are you guys using for, for VoIP numbers? What are you guys using right now for email blasting? We're using MailChimp currently. Okay. It's very simple. So it, it, it allow, it's like, if you're not super versed, which I am not, and like building out email templates, it's very easy for the user. Yeah. Do you, do you hook that up to your Podio as well? Um, it is hooked up and like, well, you can add a buyer into Podio and it'll like zap them over to MailChimp. Awesome. Yeah. Which like, like every little thing matters, right? So when you're doing something at volume and you, whatever you can do to automate, it mm-hmm. helps. It adds up to, you know, minutes, hours, days over a period of a certain amount of time. Right. Right. So, uh, what would you do if the market dipped? I would go to Hawaii. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I'm not much of us. Obviously, like the market is going to correct, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not a speculator, so I don't say, oh, it's going to correct in like two years. It's going to correct here or there. It could be a lot of things, right? It could be stocks. It could be corporate debt. It could be the banking system. It could be real estate. It could be student loans. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But it will have an effect on real estate, right? Yeah. And so I think that in that in that time frame, you have to step back and like really observe what's going on, mm-hmm. and then say, okay, you're waiting. Up, you have to wait a certain period for the correction to resolve itself to where it reaches its bottom. Mm-hmm. So it's surviving that that little time period is the key. Um, our biggest thing is like we set aside uh, like a large enough cash reserve that like we can survive that correction mm-hmm. and then still have 
a decent amount of like assets available to start buying houses again once it corrects because you don't want to survive that and then have no money and then you can't buy any houses. Right. So our biggest thing is just having some sort of safeguard or having up safeguards mm-hmm. for when that does happen, we can get through it. And Do you then, have those safeguards today? Uh, yes, currently. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I heard a weird thing about ketchup. Oh, you uh, did? Yeah. Did Jamil share this thing about ketchup? Yeah, Jamil said Jamil something. Jamil gave you a lot of stuff. Jamil said asking about ketchup. That's all he said. Yeah. That's it? I've <laughs> That's never it. had ketchup before. That's weird. No, it's not weird. Is that a fear? Is I'm a, a decent f- person. That's why. <laughs> no, I don't like, I like dry food. What, okay. food, is, what food is for savages? <laughs> so I, I guess you'll never be joining me for dim sum uh, as, a, as an Asian brunch thing. No. Uh, I can do like, like just like Asian chicken and then like rice. That's fine. <laughs> but no sauce. I'm a very picky eater, but no sauce. No, and definitely not ketchup. It just smells gross and it looks weird. <laughs> Eat a tomato if you want that. <laughs> Yeah, that's just weird. That's just weird. I know. <laughs> uh, what is your why? My why? I think it's changed over time. Um, the first, the reason why I originally started doing real estate was mm-hmm. I really wanted to help my mom. And then I think as time went on, like I first wanted to help my mom, then I got like, okay, I just want to make money after that point, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's totally wrong too. And now my why is like, I really want to, like God's given us this opportunity. And so it's for, it's our responsibility to take what he's given us and mm-hmm. to steward it in the proper direction for his good. So that in, that involves things like helping not just my family, right, but every one of our employees and all the partners, and everyone involved from the supplier to the buyer to the title mm-hmm. company is being a blessing to them. I think that's that's my why now. Mm-hmm. So uh, making a bigger impact. It is, right? Like stewarding, like if you were given a really good opportunity here and we're doing very well, and how to steward that properly in a way that's beneficial to like to everyone, not mm-hmm. just us or not just to the employees, but everyone. That can be a true blessing when anyone interacts with us that it's good for them too. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I love it. Um, so what is your single biggest struggle right now? Biggest struggle, um, delegating tasks away from myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm a control freak sometimes. So getting rid of things, that's something I got to work on. Otherwise I get buried. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for me, delegating is a task that I'm, that just is hounding me on right now, especially, but. So have you taken any of the Darren Hardy courses? <laughs> so I highly recommend insane productivity. Um, he talks a lot about being more productive. I, I understand you're very productive already. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things he talks about is delegation. And he says that, that favorite word. he says you got to do it. Yeah, I know you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what he says, and this is going to come across really strong. He says it's arrogant to think that you're the best. It really is. Or that you can do everything. Right. I think my thing is not necessarily, okay, yeah, it is that I think I can do it better, but also <laughs> that like I, I can do it better, but I can do it faster. And that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Because you can it gets do it faster it, for now. Yeah, for now. But it gets to a point where all of a sudden you can't, you can do one thing faster, but there's 10 things. Right. Right. Or like there's, or someone else is very much capable of doing that thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like Preston handles all of our escrows now. I don't know if yeah. you've ever talked to Preston, but he, he does, he, he does that job better than I did mm-hmm. because it's his, like he's his sole focus and he does an amazing job. And yeah. if I never let that go, then like I'd be holding one, holding Preston back and two, like it would not be as good. Yeah. So, so you know it, I do know it. You just got to do yeah, it. It's just doing it. Uh, I can what, come up with a thousand excuses why not to do it. <laughs> what is your superpower? My superpower, oh geez. I think my biggest superpower is I'm very focused and I'm yeah. very determined. So I don't deviate from a plan. I set a course and I just go mm-hmm. and I don't get discouraged. I just keep going and going and going and going. So when I first started, when I decided to go the path of dispositions, I did not stop until I didn't stop ever. Seven stopped, right? You still haven't but stopped. I, but I never got discouraged even when I didn't sell houses. I still kept going and going and going. I think yeah. that's, that is my my superpower is just not deviating from what I know I need to do. I just mm-hmm. keep going. That's powerful. Yeah. Uh, what's the greatest you've learned? Uh, greatest lesson you have learned? 
Oh, that's a good question. That's like when someone asks you, like, what was your summer like? Mm -hmm. I don't know what my summer was like. I didn't know there was summer. But (laughs) I think my greatest lesson I've learned personally is um, the the value of not being perfectionist. I think, Mm -hmm. honestly, like, that held me back a lot in life from doing things. And so learning, like, seeing success from not doing that, right, from avoiding that, like, train of thought Mm -hmm. has honestly helped me a lot, not just in business, but in my personal life. It allows me to really enjoy myself a lot more. Yeah. I think that's my biggest lesson. Like that I've learned so far. Yeah. And then communication too. I've learned a lot about communication. Oh, what do you learn in communication? Um, how to. <laughs> I really, I'm really like I was I was introverted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, is there a favorite, best, or most interesting failure? The rehab, I think. I think the rehab was my favorite, most interesting failure because mm. I wanted to do it so bad and I was so optimistic and I didn't really have realistic expectations of what it would take. And I went to it all fun and then I got totally beat up the whole process and it sold and I was like, wow. That's not what I want to do. Like, I, I thought I wanted to do that my entire childhood or, like, my entire, like, teenage years. Finally did it, and it sucked. Yeah, I think yeah. that's everyone's experience with rehab. Yeah. Right? It's, and some people do really well with it, though, right? But there are a lot of people to do yep. or there are a number of people that do it really well. Mm-hmm. But it always sucks a lot more than you think it's going to be. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so, especially if, yeah, no, it does. And yeah. so. Well, especially I, if your expectations set by reality TV. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think I, the first show that I watched, like I mentioned, rehabbing was Property Wars. Do you remember that show? With like Deb Hopkins and John Reynolds. No, I never it? watched that one. That, that was like, that's what like kicked off my thing of like, I want to rehab houses. Like, that's yeah. so cool. Right. Yeah. And then you find out later on. Yeah, but you just, see them, you just see them buying the house of action, you don't see them rehabbing it. And it's a whole different process. Right. And I don't enjoy it. Yeah, because the rehab is really easy, really quick. Because when they, yep. it, they, they just move the screen across. Yeah, and it's done. Right? Yeah. And it's done. Yeah. You're like, wow. Yeah, it looks, it yeah. looks or gorgeous. Or there's a problem where they show the problem that's fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't show that it takes six weeks to no. fix it, or that you have to ship something in, or you can't find the person. The people quit or don't show up. Or the or the payments. Yeah, or like I painted that entire house myself, the entire thing, ceiling, walls, everything. Oh, really? I like, I like painting, but never again will I paint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what book have you gifted more than any other? That's a good question. I'm not really a book reader. I do not enjoy reading books. I fall asleep. Oh, yeah? I'm a documentary watcher. I love, actually, I read a ton of articles, and I watch a lot of documentaries. Any favorite documentaries? I think the one that I really enjoyed the most, I think it was called Four-Headed Horseman or something. It was about all the documentaries I watched are regarding geopolitics or economics. So if you like that, that's cool. No. Yeah, but, we talked about it last week. Like, you, don't <laughs> yeah. like it. you love history. Yeah, I love history too, right? So geopolitics, history, things like that, I love. Yeah. But yeah. the Four-Headed Horseman documentary, it talks about the relationship from, like, the, it talks about the monetary policy and how the Fed's at the center of that and how it works. Mm-hmm. So it really breaks down, like, fractional reserve lending and how, like, the bailouts works and all that fun stuff. And I think it's really interesting to know that how the world is functioning, mm-hmm. like in the finance space, it's nuts. It is absolutely insane. Right, it doesn't make any sense, but it's. I think it's cool to know. But it's there. Yeah, I love that one. Um, four. What was it? Four-headed horseman. I think is what it was called. Four-headed horseman. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there if any? I'm wrong. I apologize. Oh, uh, Jamil wants to know if you know where all roads lead. Um, if they don't read to, if they're not leading to Keegley, you're going backwards. So. <laughs> yeah. Or to Jamil's phone. I don't think you know either one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there any message you want to leave everyone with? Um, I think the biggest thing is, is you probably have a lot of new people on here too, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that someone like us, we can provide a very good service to new people or even to established people where like you're able to like, get a house under contract. Not just I touching this too, but your contract in a house that you cannot perform on, right? Yeah. Like let someone like us um, be the, like help you perform on those like agreements you're making. Yeah. Or like, and also I think a big thing is don't get distracted by shiny objects when you're new. Right. You like find something and then go that path. Don't try to find buyers, sellers, wholesalers, and the new fancy system that the the, the guru guy is like selling all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Like find something, don't overcomplicate it, and go. Right. Yeah. 
don't get distracted. Absolutely. Yeah. Focus on one. Otherwise, thing. yeah, you're just you're just spinning your wheels. So yeah, definitely. All right. So with that, we'll end it, guys. Don't forget that um, you know if you guys are looking for help with valuations or or um, closing the the sellers, definitely reach out to me. We're, we're we we want to help you with that. Um, and then I guess that's basically it. Join us next week, two o'clock. We'll see you guys then. Thank you for watching. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank Steve. you. Thank you. That was great. <laughs>